What is this? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> So welcome all back to the Flick Lab once again. This is bi-weekly film podcast where we look movies all around the world from all around the genres twice a month. And today we are being joined by our lovely guest, Alison. Hey, Alison, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. First things first, uh, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell everybody exactly who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm Allison Kilkenny. I've been podcasting for many, many years, um, news and comedy. I'm a, a writer, a producer, all that stuff. But yeah, primarily politics and comedy, I think is why people follow me. So basically, you are someone with a really large set of skills and with <laughs> with overall insight into topical matters, which makes you kind of a perfect fit for this podcast and, and today's episode. Exactly. You put that so much better than I was. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of Alison, we are also having our mainstays here. We have Kari. The man who will absolutely spend four hours of our two-hour time slot to tell you everything that is wrong about the mask, the walk, the knife, the overalls. <laughs> and we have Zach, our American add-on, here to tell us, give us the American perspective, telling us exactly how everything that happens in today's film is absolutely normal and there is nothing out of ordinary. <laughs> happens basically every other day. The only superpower in the world. It's funny because I, I was expecting you to tell like a joke when you when you talked about me, but everything you said was real. So that okay, that was that was a change of plans. But okay, whatever. Uh, since I'm leading today, I'm taking everything extremely seriously. Mm. Mm. And our film today is Halloween Kills. Michael Myers is back. The serial killer who has died and been resurrected so many times that his own franchise has to have rebooted at least twice, maybe even three times, depending on how you count. But now mm -hmm. he's most definitely back once again. And definitely killing. And completely negating the there's no coming back from this ending of the last movie. In a franchise that has all the film buffs, who usually crave for three-dimensional, multi-layered characters, now all of a sudden championing a dude who has to be the most one-dimensional character ever seen on screen. <laughs> oh, no. Gang, what did you all think about Halloween Kills? Oh, boy, I did not like this film. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to be negative right off the bat, but I... You know, the Halloween franchise has never actually been my thing. And I have been trying to sort of fill in the holes, uh, the gaps in my horror film knowledge recently. So I have started watching all of the Halloween films. And I, I believe I'm up to like five or six now. But 
I, I so I saw Halloween Kills yesterday, and it it's such a strange film. I, I really feel like they were struggling to figure out the tone of it. They didn't know if it was supposed to be a comedy or a satirical or a drama in some places. It felt very strange in that way. Um, I was very, very confused about the treatment of Jamie Lee Curtis in this film. <laughs> Uh, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. That's actually been one of the highlights for me going back and, and watching the Halloween films. She's just so charismatic and so charming and you can't take your eyes off her when she's on screen and they have just robbed her of all of her charm in Halloween Kills and it was just, I know it was coincidental as well and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this more in depth later. I know it was just a coincidence of timing that there is a storyline in this film about a largely white mob um, <laughs> happening so close after the Capitol riot. I know they had filmed that before the Capitol riot happened and it's just like shitty timing, but I, you know, I couldn't not think of the Capitol riot. And I was like, I don't want to watch again, a largely white mob hunt down a man and kill him. Like, because they have bad Intel it's just a little too close to home. So, yeah, I, I this film's a mess, I guess, is the <laughs> short of it. Yeah. We, we are going to oh. most definitely have a lot to discuss mm -hmm. today. I, I feel really bad for you, Alison, both for be, being in, in this podcast and having to deal with Halloween. Because Halloween, <laughs> I, I have to warn you, Halloween franchise is something mm. that was actually is in the roots of, of our podcast. Mm. It's not like the first episode that we ever did, but our first things that we did as a podcast was go through the entire franchise. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah, not so cool afterwards, the feeling at all. Yeah, it's it's really uneven. I mean, like, and I had been warned going into that. You know, I, I have a friend who's a hardcore Halloween fan, and he was like, there are very bad movies. I don't know if you should see all of these. And I was like, I'm a completist, though. I want to watch everything. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And yeah, it, it man, it's uneven. <laughs> yeah, and it's correct what you said about the treatment of, well, at least the character of Laurie Strode in this mm. film. And it's going too much to the direction of where Laurie Strode's character is supposed to kind of take the helm of everything i don't know what's going on with the script writing but she's so determined to get out of the hospital and fix the situation <laughs> like it would be all on her shoulders and i can understand I mean, why just, she would see see that that way she's just ripping open her her sutures and like it's it's pretty painful to watch her try to fight she just had major surgery <laughs> yeah uh, I, they, they are essentially what they are trying to do in a uh, script department wise at least in my opinion, they are trying to, to make her the new Loomis of the franchise since mm. ever since from 2018. This canon of Halloween doesn't truly had had Loomis in it. Mm. I noticed that the audience was laughing when she was trying to get out of the hospital and injected herself with whatever I don't care thing and try to get out of the hospital. Oh, I mean, she's just a lunatic in this movie. Yeah. I there's really I'm I guess the voice of reason would be Karen, who's completely boring in this movie. 
Um, but it, she's at least, uh, you know, played by the great Judy Greer, who I love very much. Um, again, mm -hmm. another actress who is so charming, usually. And I'm like, what are you doing to Judy Greer in this film? I hate this character. They um, can't seem to decide what's going on with this character. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this movie is a triumph. Its action sequences are engaging. It highlights Jamie Lee Curtis as being a badass, and the Zach. scares are terrifying. <laughs> and those Love are it. all the things. Those are all the things I would say if this were opposite day. Oh, okay. I was. I thought we were um, going to have a hot take, and I was like so into it. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I. 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 I don't. I don't understand this film. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, from my understanding, this is a part of a planned trilogy when David Gordon Green oh, approached no. Jamie Lee Curtis and said, hi, big fan. I want to revive this this franchise. I want to do a, a brand new trilogy that's going to start after the first Halloween and we're going to ignore all the sequels. A great idea. <laughs> Again. Like you said, there, there's some whew, there's some lumps in there. And I and that this trilogy was created. So of course, act two in any sort of three act structure is always very is, is always the difficult part. Mm -hmm. And whoa, this second act is, uh, meaning this whole film is, I, I I don't get it. Why do we come to see Halloween movies? We come to see Laurie yeah. Strode face off mm -hmm. against Michael Myers. Yep. Uh, this film has a total of zero zero times that Laurie Strode faces off against Michael Myers. Z zero. Yes, she's completely incapacitated. And this is quite the departure from Halloween 2018 and what it set out to do, which is which confuses me greatly. So Halloween Kills, it's a pure slasher film, which should mm -hmm. kind of deliver for the gore hounds. But other than that, substance, it's hard to find in this film. The body count in this movie is crazy. I just like mm. the the pace at which they were killing characters. And that's where I was confused about the tone because it felt like some of the deaths were played up for the comedy and then other deaths were played to be taken like very seriously. Um, so I, I was confused as to how the director wanted us to feel about what we were seeing. But I was I was really struck by I was like, oh, this is a true slasher film. They are just killing people left and right. Speaking of of the playing it for comedy, in any of your theaters, did you have? I think someone mentioned it earlier. How many times were people laughing? Because I was laughing. Well, I watched it at home. I I had a feeling I had heard some buzz like on film Twitter that this was not good. So I was like, you know what? I'm picking my moments when I go to the theater. I'm trying to be like a little cautious. So I was like, I'm going to watch this at home. So I can tell you, I was laughing a lot. And often when I don't think I was supposed mm -hmm. to be laughing. Mm -hmm. The, I had multiple moments of like looking over at my husband in the seat next to me and like us giving each other these like wide eyed looks <laughs> of like, are they fucking serious right now? Yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah, I guess it wasn't surprising that they gave the film for critics to see only like, what was it, 24 hours before yeah. it was supposed to be out? Always oh, oh. a horrible, horrible sign. They held it. They were supposed to show the critics it a couple weeks ago, I think, and they kept bumping it and they said, you know what? You guys are going to get it when the audience gets it, which is always like, oh, you guys know Red this flag. is a bad film. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think to me when I think back on like sort of these classic Halloween iconic images, 
I think of, you know, those moments when the, the hero or the heroine sort of face down the bad guy and you're like, okay, bitches, get ready. Here <laughs> we go. Uh, for me, like I think of H2O. Uh, which yes. I know has some 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 haters and some lovers. I'm a I'm I'm a lover of that one. There's that great moment when she knows that he's back, and mm-hmm. then when the kids come into the door and she closes the door and they're looking at each other through that circular window in the door, mm-hmm. and you're like, "This is it, bitches! Like, get re- in one corner. We have Jamie Lee Curtis. In the other mm-hmm. corner, a madman. Uh, and we don't. And they don't even look at each other. They're not even in the same room this entire time. And she's she's so determined to tell people he's going to come to the hospital. He's going to come for me. Mm-hmm. He's going to come to the hospital. Does he go to the hospital? No, he does not. Yeah, mm, yeah that was really really frustrating because. One of the only, I think the only Halloween film I saw in the theaters was H2O, which I loved um, and I still love. I just rewatched it. I think it's so fun. And you're so right. We're like, Jamie Lee Curtis is such a badass in that film. Mm. When she sends them off in the car and then she breaks the gate so she's locked in <gasps> with Mike Myers, I was just like, you are oh. a goddess. Like, she's so oh. strong. She's such a badass. And I was like, I miss that Jamie Lee Curtis. And I know she still has it in her. This is just a matter of, like, bad writing. Yeah. There are so many points of what I can only call confusion here. The the 18th film, it had the clear objectives. It was supposed to push the reset button. And it kind of did. And served as a direct sequel to the 78. And it had, like, a couple of concerns that it wanted to fix. Like the sister-brother angle, which eliminated the element of randomness and lack of motive. I, I don't have a huge problem with the sister-brother angle, but... And then secondly, it tried to remove the supernatural antagonist, which you get to in the Halloween 2 from 1981, because antagonist burns as it happens. And so he shot multiple times in 1981 film Halloween 2, burns up in flames, I felt that the, the appeal of the 78 Michael in the original was the kind of the ambivalency of the character. You couldn't tell whether this is a pure flesh and blood stalker or if if it's completely supernatural or it's just a perceived supernatural kind of duality going on. You don't know if it's flesh and blood or supernatural. Um, and even Henrik has suggested in this podcast that the first film kind of holds a story of transformation for the character. Michael coming from man into a supernatural entity. It could be seen like that. And maybe David Gordon Green sees it like that. Because he kind of uses that (laughs) interpretation in the end of the story. Like stating outright that the murders themselves transform him. Kind of shoving it on the audience's face in a voiceover. And not even leaving it in the subtext. I have no illusions here about the whole Halloween kills. It's not for the creme de la creme critics out there who are looking for their kind of artistic fix. It is what it is. I can't be expecting the original vibes. One thing that I thought that was, I I, I thought, oh God, this is not a good sign in the first minute and a half was, oh, maybe it's not, because it doesn't actually start on uh, Lori's house that's burning down. I think it actually starts back in the 70s but when they got to sort of where we left off of the first one the house is burning down the firefighters are there and they they get one of them falls down into the basement and then this like garage door opens (laughs) 
and Michael has been hiding in there. And I thought, <laughs> well, okay, that's a retcon because yeah. the entire this, this woman, Jamie Lee, Lori, has spent 40 years planning this. <laughs> she designed this house to be a trap. In one of the most epic sort of final little twists at the end of the first one, if you're like, oh, the whole house is not a cage, it's a trap. Um, and then puts him down in this basement. Oh, but there was a door down there and he can hide in there and that's, that's, he'll, he'll be, he'll be fine in there. Why is that door there? So that retcon was for me like, oh shit, is this, is this telling of things to come? It did not portend well. <laughs> But that sort of speaks to my my main beef with the Halloween franchise is you have a antagonist who cannot die. So by definition, you sort of have to retcon things like that because it's yeah. like, right, Mike mm. Myers cannot die. Why why does anyone in these films try to shoot Mike Myers? Like have we not learned by this point, like this man is a legend. The entire town knows about him. Why is anybody trying to take him out like through conventional <laughs> means? It's sort of like, have we not learned by by this year that Mike Myers can't die this way? But or, or the fact that whenever someone does have an opportunity and they do shoot him or stab him or something, they do it like once and go, <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess uh, that was that was good, right? Right. Are we, are we, we're all good. That's kind of the sequel problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. That this this film was supposed to be a one-off originally from Carpenter. Do Halloween, okay, and then move on with the uh, anthology series that they tried with Halloween Three: Season of the Witch, with not so good results, unfortunately. No. Um, so the character was originally this kind of a blank slate, and you couldn't tell what was going on with the character, what was the background, and it worked for one story. Once you have to make sequels you have to amp up the the backstory and all the mm. bullshit but henrik what do you think about the the whole thing that i think what david gordon green's intention was with the 2018 film as well as to kind of reboot it and and, and make it kind of a blank slate again um what do you think about the amping up of the gore factor here because that's kind of what the 1981 sequel does and also i, I thought the point was to kind of remove the superman shit and here we go again well, to to give you all the the white cis straight man perspective in the things things which is the only perspective that matters, and all of you, the rest of you, can all go to hell. Uh, uh, it, it's in it's undeniable that what Gordon Green is is shooting for is kind of amping up the core factor, and when coming to Halloween Kills, that's kind of the mindset that that you have to take with, with the film. Like, this is most definitely the movie that you will see for the kills. It's mm. not like it was with 2018 version where you had, like, character development and, like, some some type of a take of, of Michael Myers' character and an examination of, of Mike Myers. Where kills is, is purely for, like the title says, for, for the kills. It's, it does create kind of a mixed bag effect with the films, but I'm still quite on board with what Gordon Green is doing. Now, having seen both 2018 and Halloween Kills, my understanding of the situation is that Gordon Green is basically doing, most likely, this is my guess, 
he's doing the first two Halloweens. Like, the themes of first two Halloween stretched into three movies. Like, the first 2018 version is mostly about Mike Myers is just a psychopath. And that's how Carpenter's original starts. And my reading of the ending is that there is the transformation that happens. At the end of a film, Mike Myers is the boogeyman. And Halloween Kills now would be the ending of Carpenter's original. This is the film where Mike Myers really becomes the boogeyman and is the boogeyman for most of the film. And my guess is that Halloween ends would play out like Halloween 2, which would be Laurie Strode facing off Michael Myers in the hospital setting. Mm, I have kind of a interesting ideas or kind of a feels that I get from David Gordon Green. Like, okay, this is the kind of the middle part, the, the two towers syndrome of being the second part of the trilogy. What I'm hearing about Halloween ends is that it's going to take a leap in time directly from the David Gordon Green's mouth. Quote, everybody has their process and time does a lot to the intellectual realization of these events, end quote. You know what this reminds me of? Have you guys dug into the whole Halloween 4 script penned by Carpenter and Dennis Etchison? million years ago he took like a more psychological direction to the script like halloween was banned in haddonfield and there was a collective fear of the boogeyman which created this ghostly entity kind of like freddy krueger direction to be honest and by this this ghostly version of michael would get stronger from his skills and by the end growing in physical size into 10 feet like I, I have to wonder, uh, wonder if this is the direction that DGG wants to take the franchise into. I would say most likely yes, judging by the evidence. Like right. at the end of of Halloween Kills, uh, Michael Supernatural's side is unquestionable. Laurie Strode has an entire monologue about how Michael Myers grows stronger from each kill. He essentially is kind of a, like a video game character at this point. He gets fifteen XP from every. Haddonfield citizen that he moves down and they have like they go of two and, and they do 2d6 plus 2 damage. How does she know these things? She just voices it out for the audience there. Don't don't ask those questions, Kari. But don't don't ask those she, questions. But uh, what do you mean how 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 she knows this? She let, inherits let me, let... the spirit of Loomis. Okay, and but, that was uh, that was like Loomis as the whole shit when you actually really look at at Halloween films. But that's a bit psychotic because we already noticed that she was kind of surprised about the fact that Michael Myers is still alive after burning inside the house. What? Okay, yeah, this means that mm -hmm, he's gonna be supernatural now. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is a bit psychotic, granted, but once again, just just look at Sam Loomis. In, in this franchise yeah. the only man like, the, the man who's only only like role in the films at the end end of the day is just get more unhinged from one film to the next and have like a hotline to Haddonfield whenever they have a Mike Myers sighting Sam Loomis quickly gets into his psychomobile and cruises off to Haddonfield to give his I saw this young boy. There was nothing behind his eyes. Speech. Mm. Looking past the wall. 
But yeah, like Carpenter has given his kind of creative input for the Halloween kills in the form of script notes. So I have a pretty heavy feeling that he has some kind of flashbacks from the previous script that, oh, maybe we, maybe we should actually film this. You know, one of the things that is also stuck in my craw is um, one of the things that I think H2O does beautifully, and also the 2018 version as well, is it sort of takes a realistic view of what if a person really did go through this trauma, and mm-hmm. what would it do to that person's psyche, and how they viewed the world, and how they interacted with the world. Um, so mm-hmm. in H2O, for example, she's an alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, and at the end of, of that film, she has this moment that I think is the moment that all everyone in the audience goes, yes, queen, that's exactly the right thing to do, which is the body's being carried off in the ambulance and she steals the ambulance because she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I've done this too many times. I'm going to make yeah. sure this fucker is dead, which, yeah. is, which is the right thing to do. And in this yeah. film, she does not do that. The house is mm-hmm. burning and, you know, she does, you know, I do like the, you know, let it burn, let it burn. Like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But no, no, no. I think Laurie Strode would have said, yeah, I'm going to stand here and let it burn. And then when it's done, we're going to all dig through the rubble until we find the bones. And then we're going to get the DNA testing done. And we're going to make sure that fucker's dead. But she doesn't. She just goes, well, the house was partially burned when I left. And now I'm in the hospital. And I'm just going to say, we got him. We got him, everyone. Yeah, there's no insight into, like, what she's thinking or experiencing as this multi-generational survivor. You know, she's just, like, a crazy old woman, you know, in the hospital where you were talking about H2O. I, we have all this rich insight into, yeah, she's an alcoholic, but she also, like, suffers from hallucinations sometimes. Mm. That, And it's really effective how they, you know, show that. it's You genuinely don't know if Mike Myers is stalking towards her or if it's, like, her booty call, you know? Um, yeah, the PTSD is real. Yeah, and she, we get to see, like, the trauma examined with her, the relationship with her son. You know, like, there's all, this whole exploration of who this woman is and how a human being would come out of the experience of something so traumatic happening to them. And in Halloween Kills, yeah, she's just really reduced to ranting old lady which i'm like man that's such a disservice not only to this character who so many people love but to this wonderful actress david gordon green i have never heard him say that this movie halloween 2018 would be about trauma specifically but yeah clearly clearly it, it is also that but i think it's something that jamie lee curtis wants to bring up over and over and over again in in interviews because it's something that is it's an important subject to her and maybe something that she wanted to include into the film mm-hmm. because we know that she's kind of a, you know, women's activist and mm-hmm. a lot of activists. So maybe this is the kind of theme that, you know, told her that maybe I should return. It's also the most human part. You know, it's the most human part. It's how mm-hmm. humans respond. Um, you know, we see so many slasher flicks and horror films where, you know, this crazy stuff happens and then people seemingly just move right along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I like that this is so different for, again, I've got to keep bringing it up H2O in 2018 where we go, Oh no, like you, the PTSD would be off the charts. There yeah, would not be why... enough therapy and liquor to get you through the day. 
Right. I was so confused. I mean, actually, what you guys have been talking about has shed a little more light on it for me. I didn't know that there was this whole plan to have like a trilogy to sort of cap off this franchise. And it makes me a little more hopeful because you're so right that the second film in a trilogy is notoriously always the weakest. It's the hardest from a storytelling perspective. I was just very confused as to why Jamie Lee Curtis would have been <laughs> okay with this, but maybe she knows something is coming. Maybe she knows that Halloween ends will sort of pay off for this character in a way that did not happen in this film. So I'm a little optimistic. Like maybe they have a plan that I just don't know about. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> then again, to me, this smells like a situation where this was not planned as a trilogy originally. Well, they they have gone on record to say that they plan to shoot at least, was it two movies? They have in, gone... Back in 2018, and then they said that, okay, well, let's wait it out and see how they the 2018 went version on, goes. They went on record saying that when 2018 was already in production, mm. which leads into a very strong possibility since we all know that movie productions are something that can take a lot of time, sometimes even years, especially the pre-production phase of any movie production. So the possibility, even though it's not been officially admitted, but I think when looking at the Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills, to me the situation reads heavily that originally Halloween 2018 was penned, was written, as a standalone film, that that is its own thing. And once they got funding for Halloween 2018, once it was in production, the idea arose that we are actually going to make a trilogy of these films. And they just released the news at that point, stating that no, no, this was the original plan. Well, of course, you can go against what they have said publicly, but I do know for a fact that they have said that they wanted to shoot at least two movies. It was, but they decided against it. Let's see how the 2018 version goes. And immediately after Halloween 2018 wrapped, they went in, went into the pre-production with the second one. Because but even even what they have said, like like that direct quote, almost direct quote that you took the, took from them, still states only two films, and that's not a mm. trilogy. Like even their own quote states that this was not planned as a trilogy. Mm. But Even though can... no no matter how hard they want to sell you the idea now. And basically what that that's, smells to me is that originally the script was written as a standalone. And they mm. found out the possibility of sequels, you know, once the script had been, been greenlitted. But there's nothing standalone about Halloween 2018, that's for sure. The way it, it ends. It can end on its own way. Like the, even the way how the fucking film is shot. Like the way how you see Michael Myers in a death trap in a burning building behind the bars, looking back at Laurie, they, they two looking at each other up from eye to eye. Basically what all that telegraphs to you is that this Sequel is bedding. it. Sequel this bedding. is the ending. Yeah. And then they go to the car and we never see any proof of him dying or falling down, anything like that. No, but at that point you basically are all like, like you are transitioning into you are looking at it from the sequel perspective like you are looking at it with the with the experience that you have had 
seeing all the previous Halloween films, see, seeing six of these things and seeing Michael Myers coming back every single time. You have like that hindsight. If you would look at 2018 film as a, like, like, like with, from a fresh perspective, behind, without, you know, all the package, or all the sequel feelings that you have no. gathered by looking at the franchise, I would say that it actually very much telegraphs that this is the ending. No, total sequel painting. I, I think, <laughs> I think the 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 difference, or I, th- I think the the key piece of info here is that at the very end of the of twenty eighteen, after the credits have rolled, at the very end of the credits, mm-hmm. you have the sound of Michael Myers still breathing. Mm-hmm. So I think it is definitely sequel baiting. Well, that's always Which, the thing about these films and a franchise like this. They, I feel like they will always leave open the possibility of, well, we could make another one of these, you know, cha-ching. especially if it makes a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. It's like they will never, ever, ever stop making these films if they know that they'll make a ton of, mo- ton of money. And it shows how lasting the franchise is that Halloween Kills is doing pretty well despite the pandemic. People really, really love horror films. They love slasher films. They love Halloween. So as long as the demand's there, it's like they'll keep bringing Michael back. Right. And if you look at Halloween H2O as well, the contract for Jamie Lee Curtis for doing that, which did apparently reportedly piss her off, but she did sign it said that she has to do two Halloween films. So it would not be the end in H2O. Oh, and they'll keep it going past Jamie, you know. Um, Certainly as long as she's around and willing to do what they want to include her because she's beloved. But I could see the franchise going past her involvement as well. Yeah. I mean, the franchise, is, of of course, is never going to go away. Testament to that is that it has already been rebooted, well, two or three times depending on how you how you count it. But when it comes to Michael Myers, like breathing at the end and after the credits, I wouldn't read too much into that since that's basically John Carpenter original. Mm. And even John Carpenter has said that it was not supposed to mean any kind of a sequel. I want to bring up something else. Um, I do think that they had a really cool idea in this film of bringing back grown-up versions of the kids mm-hmm. um, good. i think that's a great idea that's something that uh, again you get to look at what are the effects of this traumatic event happening to you except now well i mean i guess you could say Lori herself is also a child in the original but uh, an older child but then how would, it, how would it affect these like little kids and they bring back um kyle richards kyle richards from- I don't know. I don't know which housewife she is. Oh, I um, do. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And oh, I am obsessed with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I was so curious to see Kyle Richards in this. And I have to say, she was one of my highlights. She did a great she job. Was. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah. I thought she did a great job. I wanted more of Lindsay. I thought the whole scene at the playground was great. And Kyle yep. did a mm. great job acting. She looked genuinely terrified. I was really impressed because I'm a huge Bravo fan and I've seen her so much on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I was like, oh, right, you were, you are an actress. And I forgot that. It's a shame that the film does really nothing substantial with the characters mm. that they reintroduce. It's kind of fan service, but really peculiar fan service at that because most of them get butchered as soon as the opportunity presents itself. And this is also the second time that Michael Myers kills Marion Chambers in the franchise. 
one sympathizes. <laughs> that poor woman. Uh, that 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 scene there, where they're in the vehicle and at the park as well. It was just. I'm sorry. It was. I thought that that there were parts of that that were just laughable. I mean, her shooting that gun so wildly, and then she's mm. just shooting people inside the car. It was. It, oh yeah, it don't was, get me it, wrong. It was bad. It was bad. In the way this movie, like anytime there's a glimmer of something, like oh that was pretty good, they immediately undercut it with like the dumbest thing you've ever seen in your life. So I, how I, does someone hold shooting a gun away from them, and then someone <laughs> opens a door on yeah. them, and then they then turn the gun and then shoot themselves in the face? Uh-huh. I don't know how that happens. Like physiologically, right? Um, <laughs> no, no, no matter how it happens, but it it was. Fun kill to see. <laughs> Can we talk about it the was flashback? A, f- a funny kill. It, it, it was also also fun. The flashback. No, the kill. And what about the flashback? Him. No, the kill. Yeah, but what about the flashback? Uh, that was not that funny. <laughs> well, that was the best. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, are, we are talking about now, now the doctor lady shooting herself in the face. Yeah, really funny. Mm. That that's fun. The flashback not fun. Yes, it is fun. It's the best well, part well, it's, of the film. Well, it's it's partly fun, but it's not nearly as much fun. It's the best part of the film, even though the well, cam- most definitely that. The, but the best part of the film is is that one guy who gets his eyes gouged out, or, or or that one that that one you know Smithgrow inmate who jumps from the window. Oh, mm. yeah, that was a proper death. I must <laughs> like that that got some yikes from the audience. Yeah, that was one of those deaths though that I felt like I, I feel like you want me to like pause here and appreciate the gravitas of this, but it's hard to when you've like had so many moments of just sheer ridiculousness in this film that I've been like uh, laughing my way through. Th- th- there, it really felt like they were trying to say something with the mob mentality. Yeah, and thing. I didn't like, they were, know what. Oh, it was. It was bad. I mean, here what what I got from that was they were trying to say, uh, this is what bad filmmaking looks like. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's kind of what they did in Halloween 4. There was also a lynch mob. Yeah, but this time the lynch mob actually is like a real presence in, in the film. Uh, in, in Halloween 4, originally the lynch mob just shows up. It fucks up once. Yeah, it kills a person. And they just quickly fucks off. And here the lynch mob is with the story well practically throughout the end in in some capacity granted the lynch mob is largely ineffective once again and they do fuck up once again as the lynch mob always does in these films but like like now at least the lynch mob was present and with the lynch mob i do think that what the film is aiming at it's once again it's playing to the to the concept of Michael Myers being kind of a, a ghastly spirit over Haddonfield. Like the lynch mob largely leans on the concept, at least in, in my reading, the concept of communal trauma and what that trauma mm. does to the community. In here, the lynch mob is largely organized by Tommy Doyle, who is a Mike Myers survivor. And... At the very beginning of the film, Tommy Doyle puts three other Mike Myers survivors into a literal spotlight, like pinpoints them out. 
these people survived. And those are kind of, those four form the emotional core around which the rest of the lynch mob gather behind. We don't remember who Mike Myers was. We don't, we are too young. We haven't even heard of the dude. But, oh my god, in the bar there are four victims of the previous killing spree. We can't let that happen again. Evil ends tonight. And then Tommy Doyle takes a charge and starts leading the entire mob and organize like Haddonfield wide search of Mike Myers. Yeah, and this type of approach never really worked in the franchise yeah. when you have multiple people against Michael Myers. The one potentially interesting moment I thought from the whole mob disaster was when I forget which character confronts the police officer and says something like, I'm paraphrasing, well, you guys have never helped us or something to the effect of the police have been inept in trying to stop Mike Myers. And I thought had they leaned more into that sort of, you were talking about generational trauma and this community sort of trying to like rally together to directly fix something that the police have been incapable <laughs> of fixing that potentially could have been interesting, but then they just really went with the mob thing and it was like, all right, I guess we're doing this. Yeah, the mob doesn't truly work, at least not in the capacity that I, I got the feeling that the film wanted it to work. Can we talk about something that works, the flashback? I actually really, really liked the flashback. I thought, I had read some reviews about how this film almost had like a masturbatory approach to nostalgia and the mm. mythology of, of Halloween. But to me, I thought it was so cool, especially fresh off of, you know, me seeing the original Halloween the the sort of filling in of the 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 gap of like what had happened mm -hmm. between the massacre and you know everybody like finding out what had happened was fascinating i thought that was really cool the set design was awesome and like kind of gave me chills when we went back to that time period i thought it was really really cool i didn't like all the plot points that it was bringing but i mm -hmm. thought that it was lit extremely well and the yeah. props were like perfectly from, from that era and those two films, original films. I thought that the kind of the, the camera was a little bit more restless here compared to the originals, but I do appreciate how much they made it work aesthetically. It's basically maybe almost you, that you, you would be jumping into the world of those original films. And I think these efforts also con contributed to the rest of the films, mood and the atmosphere, the lighting, especially. Really, man? Really? Obvious. You, you, you wanted to, to keep up with the flashback just so that you can talk about set design. But it's one of the only positive things in this film. Like, I thought the attention to detail was great. I thought the set design was great. Their costumes were great. Props were great. In terms of this film, that was one of the highlights where I'm like, well, there was a lot of attention to detail in the flashback. It was. And I don't know what props you're talking about, Henrik, but I'm talking about the code on the Loomis or the Michael Myers house, or the coats on, on the police officers, and how the Michael Myers mask looks. I, I'm not talking about any props. Do you mention any of them? Okay, I, I mentioned props, <laughs> and I mentioned lighting. And the lighting, yeah. I think the way that they did studied it from the original films brought the lighting in a better way into this sequel compared to Halloween 2018, where I was all, all, all the time complaining about the lighting. And bringing back Loomis, yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out that that was just old footage they had used of him, but it, like the way they incorporated it was it pretty seamless. It seems like yeah. a face replace. 
Okay, yeah, I was trying to figure out um, how they did it. But I'm not sure, yeah. Uh, other positives, I, 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 I don't know if I have any others. Struggling to find, <laughs> scrolling through notes. Well, well I'll, I'll let, let's talk about yeah, positives. Let's talk about positive subject matters. Hey, what mob violence and capital riots? Our guest already oh. brought it up. What are your feelings about that? Man, it like I again, it was unfortunate. I feel bad for the the filmmakers because I know now that I understand the timeline of when they shot this, it really was just like bad luck on their part. But yeah, it was all I could think about. It was literally like even to like the smashing in the doors. I mean, like it, it some moments because I, I watched the the riot uh, happen as like live as it was happening. And there there was footage of people like smashing in the doors and windows. And it was very reminiscent of that. And I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> Alyssa, what, what did you think about the amount of exposition in the film? Oh, yeah, just so much, just so much. And like, I don't know, I I, not, I don't like films that sort of assume the audience needs to be walked through <laughs> every mm. plot point um, in minute detail, uh, especially when the film is already struggling with pacing and, you know, so many other things. But yeah, it was a lot. There, there's a very interesting thing where, when Laurie Strode is in surgery, which I think needs to be brought up again, she's cut wide ass yes. open. And then it seems like she wakes up from surgery 20 minutes <laughs> later and then she's like up and up and about. I'm like, shouldn't she be asleep for the next 24 hours? Yeah, like, like okay. what is Any happening? But anyway, but while she's in surgery, you hear this, this dialogue from the doctor and he's both A – explaining what's what he's doing in terms of like oh let's check to see if there's any punctures here and he's explaining that and also explaining you know like her what her prognosis is going to be to who 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 is he who is he talking to the dumbass audience who can't figure out anything <laughs> on our own apparently and need everything explained to us i was like holy shit oh can someone just talk like a real human in this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was bad and then and then the other Part, the other moment that's really this this exposition, they're at this bar. It's Halloween night, and there's a talent show happening. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand that. I don't understand when bars started hosting talent shows. At first, I thought it was karaoke, because the first thing that we see is someone singing, and I was like, oh, so this is supposed to be a karaoke bar. Okay, fine. But then, like, oh no, it's a talent show. And then Homeboy gets up there and does some sort of like, I want to tell you the story of. When I was a kid and uh, we almost all got slaughtered. I'm sorry, that's, that's his your talent. talent? That's his talent is trauma. I... <laughs> Recapping his trauma. To the, for the five sad alcoholics in this bar, yeah. <laughs> I, that's, that's, that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> but spe speaking about homeboys having a talent, this m most likely is the most, like, presentive entry in the, in the Halloween franchise when, when it comes to giving presentation. Like, this is the one, at least the only one that I can remember where you have a guy in drag and it's not played as a laugh. Like, certainly it's a carryover from the previous film where it was kind of a, like, like building off as an, as an awful joke that this one asshole does. But Halloween Kills still stuck with that. He, he never put pants on. He, he stayed in the dress and as the film... And with this film, it's actually finally, like, forgets 
and let's go of that jokey joke, this is my funny Halloween, Halloween costume thing, and he just stays in it. Yeah, but he, and, he mentions that he has a girlfriend real quick. Like, I... Real quick. I, I was watching that scene, and, like, it's, like, the first thing out of his mouth, because I think they still wanted the audience to be like, calm down, it's a straight man in a dress, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, it's all right. Yeah, I think that we could even have an argument of whether or not that's actually considered drag. I think that, mm-hmm. that, that, that there's some nuance, I think, between what's just cross-dressing versus just a costume versus drag. Right. Um, yeah, kind But... Yeah. This is something we didn't talk about yet. There is a gay couple in this film named Big John and Little John. And I like, they said their names in this film and I said, fuck you out loud. Because I was like, what is this? And what is this use of these completely useless side characters who don't... Useless. Yeah, they don't... They are not connected to the main plot in any way. I don't like them. Like, if you're going to have side characters like that, make them, like, real enough that I care when they die. That that was another moment where I felt like the deaths were supposed to impact me. Like, the way that uh, Big John has his head on Little John's lap. Like, clearly he was, like, cradling him before he died. I should feel something when you show me that. And I don't because these were not real characters. You didn't flesh them out. You know, what you know. About, I also didn't didn't feel anything when he was that that when they're finally both dead and he's sort of cradling him like they are in the picture. Yeah. Uh, but the reason I didn't feel anything was because all I was thinking was, oh, he's he swapped them. They're in the wrong position. The other <laughs> one's supposed to have his head in <laughs> right. the other one's lap. That's that's all I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. uh, what what about what about the uh, career gender swap that happens with with the court couple where now the woman is a doctor and the man. The so husband dumb. is a nurse. So oh. dumb. I was it just felt like so it, pandering. Yes, and when they said it out, like they, again, they don't trust the audience, so they were sort of like, "I'm the doctor, and they're the nurse." And I was like, "I, I get it. I get what you're doing. I hate it. I hate it." <laughs> and when just it's, it's pandering, the 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 wife's the the wife husband doctor nurse thing, the gay couple, and just the fact that like they introduced the gay couple, and he's sitting there cutting up things to create a charcuterie board. Oh, and they've and completely like, oh. gutted the house to make it like ultra modern. It's like every stereotype ticked off. Oh my gosh, it was. And and what's funny is one of those gay one of the people playing the gay characters is Michael McDonald, who was on Mad TV, which is a yeah. sketch comedy show here in America, and he has I don't know if I've ever seen him do anything serious. He is <laughs> a big laughs comedian. He's hysterical. So I will give that one prop of, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Judy Greer, too. There's a lot of comedy people in this, which is it's cool because comedy people, I think, are very strong, dramatic actors often because comedy is harder than drama. Um, but it's it's it does throw you off a bit, especially with him, because like you said, I don't think I've ever seen him in a non-comedy. So I keep waiting for him to be funny and charming. And he just never is in this film. And it's not his oh. fault. It's the writing. Big, big, big John. Big, big, big John. Little, little John. Uh, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> like the first accused that most likely the the fringes of, of white masculinity are going to throw against this film is that all of those elements were simply, you know, inserted into, forcefully inserted into this film just so that you can kind of get the, the left-leaning points as JW points or, or something like of this sort. Most likely this is like the 
like the first argument that you are going to get the from the wackos when they attack this film. Uh, how how do you feel? Uh, is is the accusation actually like valid this time through, like in Halloween Kills? I yeah, they definitely did seem like they had a, a checklist that they were going down where they were like, okay, so we're making this film in 2021, so we have to have more people of color. We gotta have a gay couple. We gotta have like you know like it did feel very. Um, rotary like that where it didn't feel organic and that's why i feel like these characters aren't fleshed out and don't seem real because they are caricatures and it's this lip service towards a progressiveness that is not in this film <laughs> at all i have one final thing to say and then i'm done i promise um I think that the trailers for this film, I mean, trailers are intended to get people, they're intended to get butts in seats. That's, that's what trailers try to do. But what I hate is when a trailer lies to me. And one of the ways that this trailer lied is I think probably for me, the shot that, that sticks in my head from the trailer, that's usually the very last thing you see of the trailer, is the shot of Jamie Lee Curtis walking down the hall of the hospital. She's in her regular clothes, not a gown. She's in her regular clothes and she's like determined. She's giving you that like Harrison Ford close up. I'm a, you know, a woman on a mission. And it feels very like, oh, here we go. Bitch is done with this shit. She about to go kill some Michael Myers. Here we go. That's what it feels like. That shot is nowhere in this film because she's never in those clothes except for in the very first few minutes. And then she's in a gown the rest of the time and never does anything. That's why I'm like, they, they had to have known. There has to be a game plan here. Like, I... Why did they shoot that? Like, why include it in the trailer unless they knew people wanted to see that and they're sort of like, don't worry, we're going to get here eventually. But in the meantime, we have this, like, transitional film everybody has to get through. Because I'm like, they they clearly understand why people are watching these films if they included that moment in the trailer. Well, they, yeah, they shot, film. like, I don't know if this is the same, but Laurie is stomping out of the hospital with a knife in her hand. That was the alternative ending or part of the alternative ending, mm -hmm. but they decided against it. Usually alternative endings were endings that were not as good and test audiences hated it. So they had to shoot another one. But if, if that was worse than what we got, <laughs> oh I, I gotta see that. Yeah, really. Another question that still kind of picks my mind. And this is once again, aimed at the, the American participants, is that this film, it, it, it has like much in the same way as, as with, the, with the white angry mob and how that contrasts against the, the capital riots. Another kind of point that I noticed was that Halloween Kills, it, it takes violence that is real in in the film's universe but not in in the universe outside of the film like in real life the michael myers murders and it contrasts those against real in our time uh, or our world but the world but fictional in the film's universe violence which is the the razor blades hidden in the candy bar which is a mm. joke that the kids pull off now, we in Finland, we don't have the trick-or-treat culture, at, le at least not yet, thank God. So this is kind of a, a horror scenario 
that we don't have to think about. But this is something that I can very well believe is something that goes in the minds of parents in, in America, where they let their kids go to trick-or-treating. So now, now that you have a fil film that, that has like, the, here, here are Mike Myers murders, which don't happen in real life. Here's the, the razor blades in, in chocolate bars, which is something that can happen in real world. How did you, Lisa and Zach, how did you guys feel about that? Like, was that also something like too close to reality, too close to home? Did it make you uncomfortable? That was very weird. It just felt very random. Uh, that whole sequence felt really disjointed and odd. I mean, that certainly is like uh, a, a huge uh, urban legend in the United States. It was never actually a real thing. That was a problem. But um, there have been rumors that people were like putting razor blades and apples and uh, candy bars and the news picked it up. And it, it really scared uh, parents. I remember my parents sitting with me and going through my candy and checking everything <laughs> before I ate it. So it like, it actually is a, a huge, or it was a huge fear in the the eighties and the nineties in the United States. But in terms of that moment in Halloween kills, it was just very odd. It felt like thrown in there. Yeah, I'd agree. It's, it, it didn't sort of affect me in that like, Oh wow, that was a little too close to home because I was so thrown by, wait a minute this is a joke that these kids are playing on this couple because they had the, I guess they had the good candy. Like, you know, they gave the full candy bars as opposed to the little snack size. And I'm sorry, did a, did a person just enter their home un uninvited? Did a kid just break literally? I mean, that's, I mean, that would be called breaking and entering, um, break into their home just to steal their candy. And they thought it was for laughs. Ha ha. That was just weird. That yeah. whole thing was just weird. I guess that's, However, that like there is a lot to talk about in uh, about the film, but we are kind of running out of time. But let's do jump into quickies and wrap up today's episode. So, uh, uh, as a as a first one, uh, is there a special mention for an actor that you would like to give? Like, Kyle which one? Motherfucking Richards was Same. great. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she keeps acting. I was like, damn, girl, you still got it. Let's go. Yeah, a highlight. I, I give this to, on, on my end, to Tim Cummings, who plays Pete McCabe in, in the flashback. The, the cop that gets shot in his, mm. his neck by his partner. Cummings very much is just reprising his role from his two previous films, Thunder Road and Wolf, Wolf and Snow Hollows. But uh, it still was kind of interesting to see, partly because I do like this this cop archetype that that Cummings has has developed. Can I also count Dr. Loomis's brief appearance? Because I didn't realize that's... how much I I missed him until I saw his face, mm. and then I was like, oh yeah, that's what this franchise is missing now. Yeah, that's that's my special mention. Is, oh, sorry, uh, Donald, I didn't mean to scoop the, 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 you. <laughs> no, sorry. Right. Yeah, the, it, while it's not actual, I mean, well, it, depending on how they did it, the spirit of Donald Pleasance. You're right. Yeah. It is. It is. It is nice seeing him. It is very nostalgic. Sorely missed. Then again, you you most definitely do have a spirit of of Donald Pleasance, or or at least his character now in Laurie Strode, who becomes yeah. the True. next out of his goddamn mad sage, and is the one to to. 
you know, give the, the his pure evil monologue speech. Then, what, what what was the moment, what resonated most with you? Or, or vice versa, what did resonate the least with you? Whatever you want to pick. The thing that resonated the, the most with me was, why the fuck is Judy Greer wearing a Christmas sweater during Halloween? Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you think it do you think it was supposed to be symbolic where she's like let's just get through this fucking holiday cuz it's a bad holiday and bad shit happens and I am fast forwarding no to idea. Christmas. <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm telling you every time she's on screen and I love Judy Greer, love her. Um but I was every time she was on screen, I'm looking at that damn sweater thinking what did, did, was there something in the first like, I'm trying to like can like make this make sense there and needed to be a moment sense. where she was like I know you've all been wondering about my sweater <laughs> everyone <laughs> had to be like yeah what's happening <laughs> it, it, in my opinion it was kind of fitting because the, the marketing for Christmas shit starts even before Halloween itself has <laughs> fucking ended <laughs> Yeah, she could be one of those weirdos. The calendars are already in stores. Maybe. Yeah, she already has her Christmas tree up. She could be one of those weirdos. Yeah, I, that actually would have been a nice character touch if they had like gone into that a little bit. Yeah, she's like after Labor Day, it's like that's it, time to get the tree out. <laughs> For me, it was the the flashback, and I could have had like an entire movie's worth of just that. Yeah, the flashback was really cool. One of the aspects of the franchise that I've always really enjoyed is seeing what other people were doing while <laughs> Mike's doing his thing where he's killing a bunch of people because it makes the community feel realer. So it was cool to see, like, you know, what these cops were doing when they were getting these, like, reports coming in that teenagers were being killed. Uh, that was very cool in terms of, like, world building. But did you guys have some minor character that you paid attention to and thought that that was kind of nice. Kyle motherfucking Richards as Lindsay. <laughs> Just a highlight for me. Um, I love that she was freaking out at these kids who were not taking Mike Myers seriously in the playground. I was like, Lindsay, mm. I'm on your side. So rest in peace. We, you know, gone too soon, but I'm glad we got a little. Every horror film needs the the person that's like, hey, have you guys not seen horror films? Do you not know what what's happening? The here? voice of reason. That's why, like, once yeah. Lindsay's gone, I'm like, who's the voice of reason now? I guess it's Judy Greer, but Karen's mm. real annoying. So. Ooh. Sorry, I guess we're not going to have like a compelling voice of reason. What about that black lady of the couple who locks herself in with the supernatural serial killer? Did they give her a name? I don't remember. I, I honestly was... don't know. But yeah, yikes. Interesting character choice, I must admit. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to bring attention to the horrid uh, performance of Anthony Michael Hall who I oh, really enjoyed in, in so many things. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, for me, he's always going to be the nerd from weird science. I'll just, mm -hmm. I can, I can't get it out of my head, but what was this? This was so over the top. This was mm -hmm. so, and maybe he was directed to, to do that. Maybe he was trying to do it a little more grounded and they just came in and were like, no, up it. Gotta go, gotta go more. Uh, looking at the overall performances of, of the film, or maybe even Halloween 2018, I would push the blame to David Gordon Green's direction. Mm. Yeah, I wonder what he was telling them to do. <laughs> I kind of wish I had been on set to hear what notes he was giving the actors, because he got some real strange performances from people who I know are 
capable of acting well. So mm. I would be curious to know what he was, how he was coaching them. Yeah. Mm. No. So if you would have to describe the film in in one adjective, what would that be? I, I think it's hyphenated. I would say over the top. <laughs> I would say reversioning, as in moving back in the franchise and its themes. Oh God, I don't even like confusing. Yeah, I it's just the the rapid tone switch is what killed it for me because I can respect a film that swings for the fences and is bad. Like if mm. you go for it full throttle, but you have a clear vision, I'll respect you more than if you direct something like this. That's sort of like, did you want it to be funny? Did you want it to be like serious and have gravitas and be like an, an homage to this to this franchise and the mythology of Mike Myers. I don't know what you're going for. Was it a political satire? Like, I just don't know. So I can't really respect it. Do you think uh, the third part will redeem this part somehow? Now I'm like hopeful because I, I want it to do well. I want Jamie Lee Curtis to have, you know, the send off she deserves. Uh, so many people love this franchise so much and I want, you know, them to have a rewarding experience. So I'm I'm hoping that they have a grand vision that we are just not privy to, fingers crossed. <laughs> but would you actually consider that you could watch this film again at some no. date? Or is this, no. okay, this is like hard pass. No, yeah, I, I yeah. would rather watch a million other things than watch this again. I, I didn't enjoy it. I like, yeah, I, I I wouldn't recommend it to people. It's not good. If Especially if you're a fan of the franchise, like there are better Halloween films to watch. Yeah, I, I second all that. Apart from the flashbacks, no, no need. Yeah, so you wouldn't recommend this. How about you, Conry and Zach? No. Your thoughts? I would, I would not. I would only recommend this if someone was saying, "Can someone recommend a film that's not done well, that's way over the top, that leaves you questioning a lot of things?" And you know, I would say, "Oh, then you should go watch Halloween Kills." Yeah, but you know who I would that, recommend no. this to? Somebody I hated. Like, if I really, really hated somebody, and they were like, "What Halloween film should I watch?" Oh, have you seen Halloween Kills? <laughs> yeah, that's the only time I would recommend it. Worth your time. But Henrik, I remember that you did give a recommendation to the Halloween 2018 and something happened here. I would be curious to know in where in your list would Halloween Kills be placed? I actually can't say that yet because I saw the film only yesterday. But mm. I didn't hate it nearly as much as, as all of you. <laughs> uh, it, it is a film that does have its fair share of problems and I'm not making a case that it's, it's, it's a great film like the problems that have been raised today in the episode very much are there this is, this is a problematic film but at the same time uh, and this might be like as, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode the roots of the podcast is in the process of me and Kari, the two of us, going through the entire franchise. And two things happened when we did that. A, I have the epiphany that American beer is absolute shit. Bottle <laughs> Light is undrinkable piss. 
and I refuse to touch upon American beer ever again. Mm, I don't know. Like, like people tell me that there's good American beers, but perhaps somewhere in deep no. rural America there there is a, like a cave where fucking hopcoppings are brewing <laughs> good beer, but Bud Light, undrinkable shit. Yeah. And the second one thing that happened was that I became more lenient towards the franchise because I just saw the franchise doing the exact same same shit. The m- biggest example of this is the character of Sam Loomis, whose whole role is nothing but be unhinged, grow more and more unsympathetical as, as the sequels go on and mm. just keep, give his goddamn speech. So when it came to Halloween Kills, even though... Halloween 2018 had character development, had story development, had all, all that stuff that I was, I really appreciated. I wasn't hugely expecting them from a film of Halloween franchise anymore. I mostly joined in to just to see see gruesome violence and gory deaths, and this film delivered. Yeah, there's that that moment that that you voiced out. Uh, the black nurse lady accidentally shoots herself in the head. I I was I was gagged, like giggling at the audience at that moment. I was like, oh my god, yeah, this is great. There's like a puff of red blood coming up back of her head. I was like, oh yeah, good yeah. on you. And then there was like Michael Coaches that little John's eyes. I was like, pushes his thumbs through his eye sockets, and I'm like, yeah, go ahead, like just. Just rip and tear, Michael. And then he stabs some dude in the fucking eyeball. I'm like, yeah, God bless him. You're really so, silly if you go into this film expecting quality. It just kills, as the title says. Yeah, precisely, precisely. It, it's in the title. And I can I can rec- recommend the film with that mindset. If, if you are looking for anything more... If you are looking for like like character shit that you got from 2018, it's an absolute disappointment. Don't do it. It's a, but if, if you go there with the mindset, I just want to see horrible violence commented on on innocent people. I, I want to see a mental health patient jump to his death and then have a horrible close-up on his mangled body. Then, you know, this film delivers. Yeah, fair enough. I'll give you that. What about favorite quotes? None, really. For me, other than the hokey, evil dies tonight, which oh. was only said about... <laughs> that they, they really wanted that to be a, a slogan. Mm-hmm. For me, it's when Anthony Michael Hall is in the emergency room and he's talking to the crowd and he's like, guys, listen up. The boogeyman is at large. <laughs> <laughs> the boogeyman is at large. Wow. Wow. That's that's a WGA award right there. So, if if you would have to like complete a sentence for me, you really know you are watching Halloween Kills when dot dot dot. Well, you can't be sure if you're watching Kills or Rob Zombie's Halloween. You might be able to discern when you realize you're watching Halloween 2 1981 with 2021 flavors and every subsequent sequel lends further credence to the so far unbeatable quality of the john carpenter original Mm. Uh, i would say you really know you're watching halloween kills when 
you're laughing through things you shouldn't be laughing through. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Uh, you know, you're watching Halloween Kills when you're hoping for better things for Jamie Lee Curtis in the near future. <laughs> Poor Jamie Lee. Uh, she's I mean, a legend. She's a goddamn legend. And she's yeah. having to go through this shit. How how I, dare David Gord Green? Yeah. I, I well, do well, hope that they have something in store for her that'll just like blow us all away. But I'm 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 very nervous now. <laughs> in in Gordon Green's defense, I I must like voice out that this isn't Worse that that Curtis has gotten it in this franchise. No, that's true. <laughs> looking, looking at you, looking at you, Halloween Resurrection. What was that shit? At least it was a way out for Jamie Lee Curtis, and then she came back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, that that was like like a way out quotation marks. But it's yeah, it's increasingly unclear what the title Halloween Ends would mean. Is it like an oxymoron? Is it a suggestion? Wish? <laughs> I'm guessing that they are going to cap off Michael Myers like once and for good, once again, until he will be resurrected. Yeah. Once this... again in, in some later date. But hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that I, I, I put my money on the guess that Gordon Green tries to end Halloween and the trilogy with Halloween ends and that's what it's aiming at. It's very strongly at least going into that direction now that they have they go through the entire trouble of killing the character of Karen just so that that Alison and Laurie now would have like a personal reason to go against Michael Myers because mm. if if there's something that we all learned from the 2018 Halloween is that Michael Myers doesn't give a shit about Laurie Strode. Mm. I hope they mm. just follow the lead of Fast and Furious and like blast Mike Myers into space and then the next Halloween film is Mike Myers in space. Mike Myers. And he's X. killing astronauts in a space station <laughs> and they just really go for it that would make me very happy you can you can, you can just check you can just check halloween six the curse of mike myers which is it, it's <laughs> not in watch... space but that also is bad <laughs> shit stupid or you can watch jason x which is basically that is that which it is... <laughs> yeah. jason yep. x yes it's in space it's hilarious it's it's such a great film i mean I it's it. terrible it's it, it's yeah. such oh, a yeah. great terrible film <laughs> I would be just, you know, I would like to say that it was fantastic to have Alison on board. And if you are willing, it would be great to have you on when we eventually <laughs> cover ends. <sighs> yes, 100%. I'm down. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alison, for, for, you know, lending us your time and being here to, to have a chat with us. You most definitely elevated this, this episode. Yay, thank you. And with that out of the way, dear listeners, what did you think about Halloween Kills? Try to leave us a comment in our Facebook page or social medias. You don't have to. There's also the YouTube channel where you can chime in and say, say what you will. Was there something from you, Curry? Oh, uh, no. You don't have to go there. Go where? Internets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. M- 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 most likely also you won't. There's also 
the, the new Patreon that, that launch, has just launched, patreon.com slash the flick lab. Well, I, I, I hope even if you don't go to the internet, you go at least to the Patreon. Kari, <laughs> where can everybody find you? They won't find me. I'm on a Twitter break. Oh, <laughs> Good, Good for you. you. <laughs> Good for you. But you can find this podcast in the abomination called Twitter at the flick lab. <laughs> And you can find me also on Twitter at ZacharyPen48. Yeah, and you can find me in from the nearest morgue with with my quietly die, dying career as a film podcaster. <laughs> really? <laughs> Where can we find Allison? Uh, I'm also trapped on Twitter at Allison Kilkenny. I, it's just my name on all social media platforms. I'm not creative. You can just find me under my name. Perfect. And is there is there something else, Alison, that you want us to still like shine a light on here now that we are closing the episode? Some project or friends project or something like that that you really would like to like have our listeners to find? Oh wow! Oh, I wish I had prepared something. No, I guess just like there are so many good horror films out there. <laughs> like, uh, I, I'm really enjoying shutter right now. Um, I'm obsessed with shutter and I've just been, you know, going through like the top 50 films on shutter in 2021. And I'm just so impressed by the wealth of talent out there. And yeah, I watching Halloween kills. I'll say this, a positive thing about Halloween kills is it made me appreciate good <laughs> filmmaking that much more. <laughs> I must confess, I am I am somewhat jealous of 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 Americans who are having Shudder. Uh huh. It's great. It like I'm obsessed with it. The app itself is very glitchy sometimes, but like the the content on it is just amazing. But at least we have Mubi. What's our next stuff, Henrik, on the podcast? Uh God help me if I know. What even is the theme of our, our next episode? Okay, so we're gonna have. Three films from the Iranian director Abbas Kiarostami. <laughs> so it's going to get a little bit artistic. We've been in Americas for a couple of episodes now, and let's take a turn. Yeah, but perhaps we have to remember that we are at least supposed to be an international film podcast. Yeah, I have to <laughs> remind myself also sometimes. Yeah, we also have to remind our listeners that... The theme song that you heard in the beginning of, of the episode was created by Nick Krivall. Oh. Once again, dude, thanks a lot for that one. And I guess that's it. That's very much it. In that case, see you in a fortnight. Until then. Later. This movie is a triumph. Its action sequences are engaging. It highlights Jamie Lee Curtis as being a badass, and the scares are terrifying. I saw this young boy. There was nothing behind his eyes.